Um, again, God is good, amen. Come on, look at the person next to you and just say good morning again. It's going to warm up your voice today. We're a church that believes in amens. Where's my amen crowd at today? Amen. God is doing something in our house. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 51. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles that you can take. Um, we bought them with your money. Uh, so on your way out, if you don't have a Bible, you're like, I need a Bible. Or if you have a teenager that needs a Bible or you have a spouse that needs a Bible, just take one on the way out. They're free. Just grab one. And uh, we'd like to bless you with that. There's nothing like God's word. How many have their Bible in church? Anybody have it up? Uh, if someone next to you doesn't have a Bible, slap them with yours. Just slap them. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's wrong. Okay, Mike. All right. 51. Psalm 51. Again, we're really glad you're here today. Psalm 51. I'm going to start reading in verse 10. This is a prayer for my life, a prayer for our church. Hopefully it's a prayer for your life. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey. Today we're starting a new series. You may be able to tell from the set design called Pillars. Pillars. And we're believing today that as we start the series leading up into Easter that God's going to strengthen us, encourage us, build our faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, we're asking you to create in us a clean heart, that you would renew a loyal spirit within us. Father, we're asking for your presence. Don't take it from us. Father, we're asking you to restore the joy of our salvation today. I pray for joy unspeakable. Holy Spirit, would you show up in a real way? We make room today. Would you come in and heal? Would you come in and convict? Would you come in and encourage? Would you make much of Jesus today? Thank you for these amazing people. Help me preach well and help me preach short. In Jesus' name, everybody said? <laughs> that was a big amen there. There's a difference between pillars and furniture. And we have these pillars today. And there's a difference between pillars and furniture. And pillars are permanent. As we unpack this series today that we're going to start um, helping us. And pillars support buildings. I love our city. I love the architecture of our city. I love the old buildings and the cornerstones. And there's so many pillars and beautiful structures in our city. And pillars are permanent. And they are foundational. And they are the structures and the support the engineers in the room understand the value of pillars. Pillars are different than furniture. Pillars are supports for building and permanent. Furniture is trendy. They're built for comfort, and they're temporary. Furniture is trendy. Uh, we don't build our life on trends. The last three letters of trend is end. Why? Because they do not last. How many know furniture is trendy? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Remember, I grew up with shag carpet. Anybody old remember shag carpet? <laughs> Some of you still have shag carpet. You're waiting for that trend to end and come back around again. Some of you have been in the same decor for so long, it's now fashionable. Have you seen this happen? Some of you are like, I know you. You're still in the bell bottoms. They're like, they're going to come back. In Jesus' name, they won't. And uh, furniture and pillars are different. I remember uh, baby, uh, baby blue and light pink shag carpet. I grew up in shag carpet. I remember record players. I remember, um, I remember uh, Chesterfields. Anybody remember Chesterfields? Chesterfields were coaches, uh, a version. Come on. Uh, my grandparents. I remember going to my grandparents' house on Saturday, and they had plastic over their furniture. How many? Some of you are like, I still do that, right? Anybody have grandparents that did that? 
You go to your furniture. I remember going to their house in the summertime, and they had plastic covering their, their Chesterfields and their couches and their Lazy Boys. And I'm not sure what was going on, but you'd lay on it. It was like you were laying on like a pencil case or something. And I remember it would be summertime at my grandparents' house sitting on their couch, and there'd be plastic to protect it from the grandkids and from wear and tear because so they, they, they wanted this furniture to last forever. I remember you'd lay on it, and you'd get stuck on it in the heat. And you felt like a mouse in a mouse trap. You couldn't get up. And like I said to my brother Mark, pull me off the couch. And you get off that couch. A couple weeks ago, we went and visited people in our church. They bought a new house. And we were there visiting and seeing the new house. And it was beautiful. Stunning, brand new construction, new furniture. So excited for them. We were so happy for them. And then we came home and opened the door to our house and walked in and looked at all our furniture and, and looked at each other and said, we only have one option. We have to move. We have to burn it all. Like, that coach is so 2019. Look at that flooring. That's so 2012. And look at the pillars that we have in our living room. And we just thought, it's so trendy. It so has to end. And there's such a difference between furniture and pillars. We live in a day where people are, 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 are treating pillars like furniture where they just come and go and take it or leave it and change it out. We also live in a time where people are making pillars out of temporary furniture things. Some furniture things, temporary things in our faith, even in church, one would be music. If you've been in this long enough, you know there are seasons of music. Like, man, that's, that's the music we need to play for God's presence right there. That's what we need. I'm old enough to remember, come on, somebody. In my Sunday school, when I grew up, the worship leader in our Sunday school played an accordion. Accordions were these things that we used to, I always talk to the young adults because they don't even know. And uh, we used to play a cassette tape. Uh, and they had accordion and maracas. Come on. That was, how, I'm thankful some trends end. I remember Shout to the Lord. I remember Maranatha. Mar Maranatha. Praise. Come on, somebody. How remember the Gaithers? Some of you remember Jimmy Swagger. From the miry clay. Set my, then we went into, uh, then, then there was a Mercy Me, Only Imagine. We came through all the different music types. So many things are temporary, whether it's big church or small church, whether it be lighting. There's a season where everything has to be dark, everything has to be light. There needs to be no production, there needs to be overproduction. Drums are of the devil, drums are of God. Come on, there's just things that change all the, dress codes have changed. I remember if you wore jeans to church, you were going to hell. I remember the first Sunday, we were like, we're going to try jeans. I remember saying to my parents, I need to wear jeans. I was 12. I'm like, can I please wear jeans? Can I please wear jeans? And uh, my father called them slacks. And he said, you cannot wear slacks. I remember the fight it was over dress codes. And I remember in church, man, you just, you know, the, the holier you were, the better suit you had. And I just, man, I had, I had double-breasted suits. Come on. I had a T.D. Jake suit. I looked good in my pinstripe suit. It was Thank God. And then, then we go to skinny jeans. And then, and then we go to baggy clothes and dress codes change. And there's a difference between foundational truths and trends. And trends are fun. They come and go. There are, stained glass is a trend. Theaters are a trend. Big church is a trend. Multi-site is a trend. There's all these different things that come and go, but there are pillars in our faith. We want to encourage you these next few weeks. Some of you have been growing up in this and you've been around for a while, but maybe you've leaned too much on temporary trendy things and maybe you've walked away. Maybe you've let go some of the pillars that build up. Maybe some of you are new in the church and 
You need to know what the foundations of our faith are. There are foundations we need to build our life on. We just sang about it. And these aren't all the pillars, but we're going to mention some of the next coming weeks that I believe, and we believe, and Scripture teaches us are, are core to our beliefs to make you stronger. Our goal is not to fill auditoriums. Our goal is to become closer to Jesus. That's our goal. We want to help you uh, grow closer in your faith and, and closer to Jesus and filled with his spirit. And The first pillar we're going to talk about today is the pillar of confession. The pillar of confession. If you your Bible today, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, pillar of confession, of repentance. The pillar of confession, pillar of repentance. 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 8. You see it on the screen behind me. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim to not have sinned, we are calling God a liar, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Confession. When you hear the word confession, what comes to mind? Some of you picture maybe a judicial system and trials and maybe even interrogation where someone is uh, accused of a crime or guilty of a crime and they're trying to get a confession out of them. It's a, the guilt, and you picture either movies you've watched with a spotlight on somebody, and they're, 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 they're strapped to a chair, and they're trying to get a confession from them, or maybe you picture someone on a stand being asked questions by a lawyer or cross-examined, hoping to get a confession to convict them of their guilt and to do time. Maybe, depending on your faith background and your church history, maybe you picture, when you say the word confession, you picture going into a, a little box or closet in a church and having a, a, a priest on the other side of a screen and you confess your sins in private before a man hoping to make peace with God. What do you picture when you hear the word confession? You need to know today that confession is not to a certain church. It's also not of a judicial system. Confession is a vital pillar in our walk with Jesus. Make no mistake, we are looking for the presence of God in our lives. We sang about it, we read about it, we preach about it. And the truth is, we sin. And things come between us and God all the time. Again, our goal, if your goal is only to come to a religious service... There will be, no, be no pull on this message today. But if your heart is to have God in your life 24-7, to be growing in relationship, can I just encourage you? There is nothing that satisfies like the presence of God. It's a peace beyond all understanding. In a generation riddled with anxiety and depression, the cure, the what we need. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for therapy. Thank God for help. But there is nothing like the presence of God. In a generation of disunity and fighting, there's nothing like the peace of God. There's nothing like knowing God's voice and his presence. And things come in between us with God. Confession is a pillar in our faith. And I think sometimes we've walked away and we've traded in like furniture going, well, I don't really need to confess I'm good. You need to know today that maybe the reason why your faith is falling, maybe it's not as strong as it needs to be, is because maybe we've forsaken or walked away from the pillar of confession. 
The Bible talks about confession. Jesus thought it was so important that he said to his disciples, his followers, to pray it daily. We read it today in the Lord's Prayer. It says, forgive us our sins. In the disciples' prayer, when he said, when you pray, he didn't say once in a while. He said, when you pray, say, God, I confess, forgive me for my sins. What true confession is not? It's not telling God something he doesn't know. Someone like, I just can't tell God I did that. God knows. We even see it in the garden. Adam and Eve had committed sin. and It said God walked through the garden. They were hiding from God. You cannot hide from God. He said, where are you? He knew the answer to the question. When God asks a question, he already knows the answer. He says in Genesis to Adam and Eve, where are you? He knows where they are. What he wanted to was give them a chance to confess. Confession is not telling God something he doesn't know. Listen, God knows your worst. He knows your thoughts. He knows your actions. He knows your cravings. He knows your lust. He knows your greed. He knows your pride. He knows it all, and he is crazy about you. I heard this, the definition of success, and I use this, and I love this, and I aim for this. The best definition of success is not your retirement fund, your social media following, your bank account. This is the best definition of success. Those that know you best love you most. Listen, God knows you best, and he loves you most. But what confession is not telling God something he doesn't know. What else confession is not? It is not blaming others. Confession is not, well, God, I messed up, but I'm this way because of my friends. I'm this way because of my upbringing. I'm this way because of my parents. I'm this way because of the culture I live in. I'm, in this, I'm this way because of that person or who I married or who I didn't marry or who I hang out with or who I'm dating or who I work for, who I work with, or who works for me. Confession is not blaming others. That's not confession. Confession is not complaining and venting. It's not, I've disobeyed God, well, because life is hard. Like, God, there was a pandemic, like, like trauma, like it's been hard. It's not blaming or venting. It's not saying, well, everyone else is doing it. It's not saying, well, God, it's normal now. It's not 1995. Like, God, like, you, you know, like your standards are a little out of date. Like, it, it's harder now. Like, times have changed. I don't know if you've seen the media. There's blimps and things being shot down. It's a different day. You know, like, like God, like, 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 it's just different. I'm just, I just want you to know, just, it's di- that's not confession. It's not venting or complaining. What is confession? And say we're going to have a chance in your privacy of when we worship to make sure there's nothing between you and God. That's our goal. That's our heart. When we pray, when we worship, when we come together, I don't want anything between me and the Holy Spirit, anything between me and God. That's our heart's cry. That's what revival is. That is what the miracle is. That is where the power is, is when you're close to God's presence and there's nothing between you. Filled with his presence. Our hunger, our goal, is to make sure there's nothing between us and God. Isn't it so tough when there's something between you and someone you love? You walk in a room and there's ice from tension. We've all been there. You've been in that friendship. You've been in that relationship. You've been in that work environment when there's something between you, that awkwardness. Oh, God, that there would not be awkwardness or tension between us. That's what confession is. What is confession? It's coming clean with God. It's owning and understanding grace. 
Grace isn't a pass on behavior. Grace isn't going, well, God forgave me. He, he died on the cross for my sins. I can do whatever I want. Grace is not a pass on behavior. It's not a get her to jail card. It's not an Uno uh, reverse card going, ha, doesn't count for me. We play Monopoly every Saturday, me and Maddie and Nancy, and, and those get her to jail cards are the best things ever. Grace is not a get her to jail card going out, do whatever I want. I can speed as much as I want, I can steal as much as I want, do what I want. Grace just gets me out. That's not grace. Grace isn't a pass on behavior. Grace is forgiveness and it's empowerment. Heard someone say it like this. It's not saying I can live in the ditch and in the mud and just live in my pain and my shame. Grace is the forgiveness and the power. It's four-wheel drive to get you out of the mud back on the road. That is what grace is. Confession is understanding grace. Listen, if you have a small understanding of grace, you'll have a small confession. But if you have a big understanding of grace, you'll have a big confession and change. I'm not afraid to bring my, my sin to God. Can I understand when I confess it that he rushes to me and helps me with forgiveness? Listen, there's nothing like feeling clean. But he also rushes to me with power. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Confession is coming clean with God. Unconfessed sin has power. You need to know that. Psalm 32. I think we have this on the screen, verses 3 and 4. Psalm 32, 3 and 4. It says, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long, day and night, and your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Just leave that up. Listen, I believe there's an enemy of our soul. The devil is real. He attacks our lives. But some of us are blaming things on the devil where it's our sin unconfessed. Look at this. When I refuse to confess, my body wasted away. Listen, not every disease or pain is sin. Please do not hear that. But there is power in unconfessed sin. It says that it was, my strength evaporated. It has power on our lives. We were not meant to have sin. I think we have this picture, I don't know if you have it, of a, an x-ray of this man in Germany. This man in Germany, I read this story, he was building a patio with his nail gun, and the gun went off and just missed his head, or so he thought. And all of a sudden, he felt this headache for weeks and weeks. When he finally went to the doctor, they did an x-ray and found a nail in his brain. That is what sin is. It doesn't, it's not supposed to be in us. It's not supposed to be a part of us. But when it's in us, it creates a pain and it creates problems. Unconfessed sin has power. We see it again in James 5, 16. Watch this. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See that? May be healed. Confession has power. And unconfessed sin doesn't belong in our life. Sin doesn't belong in you. Like that nail did not belong in that man in his head. Sin does not belong in us. So you might say, why do I confess now? I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I, I confessed him as Lord. I confessed my sin. I'm following Jesus. Don't I just do that once? Listen, salvation is an experience. But forgiveness is a process. I gave my life to Jesus. I bowed my knee and I said, Jesus, I want to follow you with the rest of my life. 
and it was an event. I can tell you the place and the time. But purity is a process. And confession keeps us close to God. We are no longer sinners. We are saints. And we are clean and we are connected and, we do- and adopted. But we sin. We are sinning saints. Look at 1 John 2.1. 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that we that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. We are sinning saints. And stuff gets in between us and God all the time. Our choices, our actions, our thoughts. And starts to build this distance. And sometimes God feels far away. And it's not because he's moved. It's because we let stuff get in. We need to clean the house. We need to confess. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, God, Father, forgive me for my sin. We are fighting for connection. Not acceptance. Not love. Connection. And confession keeps the connection. Why confession? Because it reconnects closeness. I'm not going to unpack it today too much, but in Luke 15, there's a very famous passage in Scripture that many scholars and many Bibles call the prodigal son. It's the story of this man who had two sons, and one son, the younger, said, I don't want to, I don't live by your rules. I don't want to live in your house. Give me my inheritance. You're not dead yet, but I wish you were. But, you, but give me my inheritance now. Sell stuff. Liqui- uh, liquefy the bank accounts. Give me my inheritance. I want to go do my own thing. He says he takes his money and he runs. And he goes lived a wasteful life of sin. And he messes up. But it says in Luke 15, verse 17, it says he became aware of his sin. It said he came to his senses. He's living in a pig pen, literally eating dirt and garbage with pigs, going, how did I get here? And he had this moment where he realized, I was meant for more than this. I wasn't supposed to be living here. And he came to his senses. That's confession. In verse 18, it says he starts practicing confession. He has this plan. I'm going to go back to my father, back to my house. And on the way, he's confessing, going, okay, I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against the house. I'm asking that you would forgive me. He starts practicing confession. In verse 20, he approaches the father. And I love this picture of the father who symbolizes God. He's not busy at work. He's not saying, forget my son. I'm going to go on and do something else. It says he's watching the road, watching the distance, waiting for his son to return. It's such a picture of God. See, some of you think God is mad at you. He's not mad at you. Sin is not a punishment that you have to go, well, I messed up. Shouldn't have said that, done that with that person or this or that. Uh, I can't go back. I have to hide it. He's watching, waiting for you to turn. Confession and repentance is going one way and then realizing you've drifted. And when you turn, it says that the father in this story was watching the horizon. I can't help but picture this father seeing people come over the hill for years. He was an older person, probably like Nancy's age. <laughs> Squinting. Go, wait a minute. Is that, oh, no, that's, 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 the, that's, that's the Amazon driver. What, who's the, no, that's the neighbor's kid. Doesn't say how long he sat there, but it was a while. And one day... It says, while the son was still a long way off on his way home to repent, it says that the father stood up and saw him. 
I'm convinced he would have said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know, I know that walk anywhere because he walks just like me. I know that head of hair because when he had a fever when he was three and I nursed him back the head, I'd know the shape of that head anywhere. I've spent so much time with that boy and that young man, I'd know his walk, his shape anywhere. And from a long way off, he started running, the Bible says, towards his son. As his father gets there, the son doesn't even have time to get the words out when his father interrupts his confession with forgiveness and reconnection. The son said, was thinking, I'll just be a servant because like they have more than I had in my pig pen. I don't even need to be a son. I just need to be a servant. And the father interrupts him and says, quick, throw a party. Get the ring, which symbolizes authority. He's not a servant. He's not a stranger. He's my son. And that ring showed authority that you could purchase things. You could order things. You could direct things. He said, quick, quick, quick. You're forgiven. You're reconnected. Throw a party. My son's come back. That's what God does when we repent and confess. He never stopped being a son. He was just disconnected. We confess, please hear this church. We confess not to establish relationship. We confess to restore it. We don't, you don't confess to go, hopefully God will accept me and God, hopefully I can be your daughter or your son again. Hopefully, God, we can start over and I can. No, no, we don't, we don't confess. We don't earn God's love. We don't become his son or a daughter again. We don't confess to establish relationship. We confess to restore it because something disconnects sin. Confession is not what we are. It's how we are. How are you and God today? Is there sin in your life? Is there distance between you and God the Father? Run to your Father, not from Him. That's confession. How to confess. Church, I'm going to walk you through how to confess in the next five minutes. And then we're going to sing. And then we're going to have a chance for you to pray as we worship today. In my journal, in the back of my journal, I have written five steps on how to confess. Because I got news for you that's not news for anyone. Your pastor sins. <gasps> There's a quote. Put that on Instagram. So do you. The Bible says that when we sin, we need to confess. Wrong attitude. Actions, thoughts, words that separate me from God to put distance between us. I know it's not right. I have it written in my journal. I go through these steps. I want to walk through Psalm. If you have your Bible today, turn to Psalm 32. Some of you need to write this down because you're going to need it today and tomorrow and the next day because we're fighting for connection. Something happens when we're connected to God. Cities change. College campuses change. Churches change. Your singleness is redeemed. Your marriages are redeemed. Psalm 32. How to confess. Step number one, be honest. Be honest. Look at this, verse two. Yes, what joy for those whose, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Oh, you can live guilt-free today. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When you confess, you don't go, well, I don't want to confess that. It's complete honesty. God, I've messed up. I've said this, I've done this, I've thought this. Complete honesty when you confess. We're talking.
talking about connection today. Confess complete honesty. Be honest. I'm struggling. I don't believe. I've walked away. I've done this. I've done that. I've said this. Complete unburden your soul. Confess to the Lord with honesty. Step number two. See the damage of sin. You need to see the damage that sin does in our lives, in our churches, in our families, in our businesses, in our cities. Look at verse 3 and 4. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. There is damage to sin. It damages relationships between us and the Father, between each other. The evil that's in the world, the racism, the abuse, the hatred, the evil is because of sin. It is damaging our world. It's not God's judgment. It's us separating from God. It's damaging. See the damage of sin. Number three, confess it all. All of it. Look at the second half of verse 32. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. Don't hide from God. Don't hide from God. Point number four, how to confess. Let go and let God. Verse five and seven says, I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Listen, let go of your sin and let God protect you. Let God surround you. Let God fill you. Some of you have been trying to defend yourself, trying to hang on, going, I'm going to solve this myself. I can do it on my own. Let go and let God. Let go. You're not the Savior. Let go and let God. Be surrounded by God, protected by God. I love this. The last step, step five, after you've confessed, you're honest. You've confessed it all. You let go and let God. Number five, enjoy the kingdom. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, thank God for an advisor, and I'll watch over you, thank God he watches over us. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Oh, I want to enjoy the love of God. So rejoice, celebrate in the Lord, and be glad, all oh, joy and happiness. For all who obey him, shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. Listen, the kingdom of God is something to be enjoyed. And when we confess, it reconnects. Enjoy the kingdom of God. All over this place, if we stand to our feet just for a moment, Alex and the team are going to lead us in a song. We can dim these lights for a bit, those watching online, those in person. We're going to sing this song. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk through these steps privately. You may want to come to this altar and kneel down. Some of you, you're not coming to a man or a worship team. I don't need to hear it today. It's God wants to reconnect with you. Some of you, maybe it's kneeling down where you are right now. Maybe it's standing up with your hands raised. Maybe it's closing your eyes and bowing your head. But somewhere, God is watching right now just waiting for us to turn. And it's not about establishing relationship. You are his son and you are his daughter and he loves you. It's about reconnection. And there's distance. You know it. You don't need me to tell you. There's distance today. 
Listen, the kingdom of God, his, his, he advises you, he watches over you, he wants to protect you. There's joy and health and blessing all in the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. We get to enjoy it when we reconnect. You feel far from God today? Confess it. Be honest. Don't hide. Let him take it all. Let his grace rush in and watch what God will do. Amen. All over this place, the next few minutes, as the team leads us, would you confess? Would you do business with God today? Would you run to him and let him wash you clean? And watch what God will do today. Amen. Father, right now, we just confess our sin. Each one of us, all together but privately, right now, come to you and say, God, would you look at our hearts? Would you look at our lives? Where is their distance? Where is there a gap? The lights come and go. Music ch- comes and goes. Styles come and go. But this pillar of connection with you, we will fight for and build our lives on this. God, we confess now in Jesus' name. Don't ever come 